0: Do you guys remember the funny commercial with the famous catchphrase, I've fallen and I can't get up? If you were alive in the 1980s or early 1990s, you probably remember this commercial and it shows a little lady who had fallen down and basically her only lifeline is this little button that she could press and someone would come to the rescue. And really what this was all about is someone who has fallen and likely fractured her hip and couldn't get up or walk around. So I thought that on today's episode of Vigenius, we could discuss osteoporosis. I'm your host, Dr. Elena Rodriguez, board-certified gynecologist, here to help you navigate the complicated world of medicine, trying to keep things simple for you. I hope you enjoy today's topic. fellow clitizens. Today I wanted to talk about osteoporosis. Why? Because it is a very common finding in many of my patients and oftentimes it can be very confusing in terms of the medications that are prescribed or you know just things that you can do in terms of your lifestyle that you can change to make things better. Some patients have a genetic predisposition to osteoporosis, meaning that it runs in the family, maybe their grandmother suffered a or fall or their mother. Sometimes patients that are underweight can be susceptible to osteoporosis. Patients who are taking medications that can diminish the bone loss and smokers have a high propensity for osteoporosis. But what is the definition of osteoporosis? So the definition basically is fragile bones. Now, we undergo remodeling of our bones every day. So every day we're losing bone and every day we're, you know, making more bone. And osteoporosis happens when making more bone does not catch up to the loss. And so the the bones become very weak and fragile and easily broken. Women who are going through menopause have lower estrogen levels, and we know that estrogen levels are involved in bone remodeling. So when you go through menopause and your ovaries aren't making more estrogen, then you start to suffer the signs of osteoporosis. And one of the tests that we can do is called a DEXA scan, or a bone mineral density. And this will give you a score, and it'll tell you how thick the bones are. Most of the time, we do recommend that patients get a bone density scan after the age of 65. However, in patients who are at high risk factor for a fracture, like chronic steroid use, again, smokers, even patients who have done the Depo-Provera shot, which is a birth control method, we do recommend earlier screening for osteoporosis or osteopenia if you have had um, this type of treatment. And we look at a score. So the bone density will tell you a, what we call a T-score. And the T-score measures the density or how thick the bone is. And if the T-score is minus 1 to minus 2.5, this is considered osteopenia. So not quite osteoporosis, but definitely at risk for it. And then if your score is less than minus 2.5, that is considered osteopenia and your risk of a hip or a vertebral fracture is pretty high. The mortality rate with a vertebral fracture or a hip fracture is pretty uh, pretty bad. Most patients that have a fracture end up in a nursing home. It's very difficult for family members to take care of them. Oftentimes, if they're on blood thinners, you can bleed out. It's it's just not something that you want to have. And so what I like to do is talk about some of the preventative things that you can do, just lifestyle changes, and then some of the medications that are out there to help you if you have been diagnosed with this condition. So some of the most important aspects of preventing osteoporosis include eating a healthy diet, getting regular exercise, and avoiding smoking. Now these recommendations apply to both men and women. And in terms of diet, the optimal diet for bone health involves making sure that you get enough protein and calories, as well as plenty of calcium and vitamin D. Now, too much calcium can also be really bad for you and can cause plaque formation in your blood vessels. So you don't want to do that. And I have found oftentimes that patients are using supplements because the recommended dose for calcium is 1200 milligrams a day. Now, a lot of us get calcium in our diet. So if you have one serving of milk or dairy products like cottage cheese, yogurt, hard cheese, green vegetables like kale and broccoli, one of those servings counts as 300 milligrams. So really all you need is four servings of any of those and you should have enough calcium in your diet so you don't need to supplement. Now, if you're, if you're not getting calcium because maybe you are lactose intolerant and you can't have dairy or you just hate kale or broccoli, then you definitely do want to supplement with 1,200 milligrams of calcium per day and you can split it in two doses. Now, calcium works great if vitamin D is around. And experts recommend that men over 70 years and postmenopausal women that they at least consume anywhere between 4,000 to 5,000 units of uh, vitamin D daily. Newer studies out of UC San Diego have shown that women who consume vitamin D and whose levels are between 40 to 100 actually have a less risk of osteoporosis, but also, in addition, have a protective effect against uh, breast cancer. So all the more reason to make sure that you are supplementing with vitamin D. Now, if you drink alcohol... (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, guys, but alcohol, if you have more than two drinks a day, this can definitely increase your risk of fracture. And not just that, if you are drinking a lot, you're going to be a stumbling idiot and probably fall down and fracture. So just don't do it. Now, my favorite thing as a preventative is exercise. And exercise, the recommendations are 30 minutes at least three times per week. I actually like for patients to work out every day. And, you know, there are many different types of exercising that you can do, which include resistance training, using free weights or resistance bands, jogging, jumping, walking, you know, basically anything that kind of stimulates your bone to remodel is going to help you. If you are a smoker, you want to try to avoid or quit smoking. Smoking is known to increase the metabolism of estrogen and estrogen we know is protective against osteoporosis. So, um, I don't know, smoking should be a thing of the past. Uh, you know, ever since the U.S. passed the law that you cannot smoke near a restaurant or, or you know, near a bar. I, I don't know. I think life is so much better. There's really no reason why you should be smoking anyway. But um, we do know that there is one study that suggested that women who smoke one pack per day throughout adulthood actually have a five to ten percent reduction in bone density by the time they reach menopause, and this can definitely result in an increased risk of fracture. Now, in order to Avoid a fracture is you want to avoid a fall. So falling significantly increases the risk of osteoporotic fractures in older adults. So taking measures to prevent falls can decrease the risk of a fracture. Um, Some of these measures would be removing like loose rugs, electrical cords, or any other loose items in the house. So you're avoiding tripping, slipping, or falling. Um, You also want to make sure that you have adequate lighting in all areas around the home, including stairwells and entranceways, avoiding walking on slippery surfaces such as wet or polished floors, and basically avoiding walking in unfamiliar areas when you're outside of the house, Having your doctor review medications that can also increase your risk of fracture. So if you're taking things like Ativan and Valium and, you know, all those medications that that make you a little dizzy, um, you know, obviously you want to try to avoid that. And the other final thing would be to make sure that your vision is good. So if you're not seeing very well, making a visit to an ophthalmologist or an optometrist would be beneficial. There are certain types of medications that can increase your risk for bone loss, and especially when these are taken at high doses. So people who are taking prednisone, uh, sometimes patients that have asthma or have some other skin condition that require chronic steroid use, um, you are at higher risk. Patients who are on heparin, which is an anticoagulant, that is used to treat abnormal blood clotting um, also is a medication that can increase your risk. And patients who do anti-epileptic drugs like phenytoin, carbamazepine, primidone, and phenobarbital. Um, patients who are on aromatase inhibitors. So we have a lot of patients with breast cancer who are taking aromatase inhibitors. This kind of uh decreases the amount of estrogen in your body, and as we said before, estrogen is protective against osteoporosis, but in patients with breast cancer, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Um, so medications like letrozole and anastrozole um, can increase your risk of fracture. So who benefits from treatment? Like when do you decide that you need medication? Well, patients who are at highest risk of a fracture are the ones that need to be on medication. So typically, if your T-score is less than minus 2.5, which we already said was osteoporosis, if conservative measurements are not improving your bone mineral density, then it might be time to consider medication. Treatment in premenopausal women, typically, the relationship between bone density and fracture risk in um, premenopausal women is not that very well defined. A premenopausal woman with a low bone density may have little increased risk of a fracture. Thus, a bone density alone should not be used to diagnose osteoporosis in a premenopausal woman. Um, you know, maybe in someone who has already had multiple fractures or you know, has a, a, a strong family history, then that might be someone that you might want to consider treating medically. And so what are the medications that we typically use? Well, the the first-line treatment are what are called biphosphonates. And what biphosphonates do is basically slow down the breakdown and the removal of bone, which is called resorption. These are widely used to treat osteoporosis in postmenopausal females. And these drugs, in general, have to be taken first thing in the morning on an empty stomach with a full 8-ounce glass of plain water. And then you need to wait half an hour or an hour depending on which one you take um, before you have anything to eat. You cannot lie down because it can be very caustic to your esophagus in your stomach. The common biphosphonates that most people use are alendronate, and the brand name for that is called Fosamax, or risondrinate, which is actinel or altelvia. If you take either of these drugs, you do have to wait half an hour before you um, have anything to eat or lie down. There's another uh, biphosphonate called Boniva, and this one you have to wait at least an hour before you lie down or have anything else to to eat. There are delayed release formulations of uh, risondrinate that is also available. And unlike the immediate release uh, risondronate and other oral biphosphonates, a delayed release risondronate is taken immediately after breakfast with at least four ounces of water. All right. So if you are at high risk for breaking a bone, you can safely take osteoporosis medications for many years. However, most people can stop taking alendronate, risondrinate, or ibandronate after five years. And this is because these drugs have a residual benefit. So even after you stop them, the drugs stay in your system. So that's a good thing about these medications. However, there are side effects with biphosphonates. And, you know, you would think that if you're taking a medication to prevent a fracture, then these medications should not cause a fracture, correct? Well. That is not true. So one of the black label warnings for this is that it can if you take biphosphonates for a very long time, so seven years or longer, it can increase the risk of an unusual type of femur fracture, so the thigh bone. And um taking biphosphonates for up to five years for osteoporosis is usually not associated with this atypical fracture. So it's 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 seven years or more. Um There's also a risk factor for osteonecrosis of the jaw. And this is a a rare condition, but it can occur. And so sometimes if patients are needing dental work, um, we ask them to be very careful if they've been on this medication for longer than five years. There's another medication that you guys might be familiar with. And it's called, the brand name is called Reclast uh or zolindronic acid. This one is also available for the treatment of osteoporosis, but this medication is given IV over 15 minutes. We use this medications in patients who cannot tolerate um you know sitting upright or who might have problems with their esophagus or gastritis. And uh, zolindronic acid or reclass um, has been uh, shown to improve bone density and decrease the risk of vertebral and hip fractures. And the nice thing about that medication is that it's used once a year. Now, some of the side effects of zolindronic acid is that it can cause flu-like symptoms. Usually that's within 24 to 72 hours of the first dose. And, um, sometimes patients can get a little bit of a low grade fever and muscle and, and joint pain. So normally we just tell patients to take, um, Tylenol and that typically improves those symptoms. So this is a good option for patients who don't want to do, you know, a weekly or a daily dose of the biphosphonate or maybe can't tolerate it. Now, zolindronic acid is usually given for up to three years, and then it's um, discontinued. So it's not a medication that you can take for longer than three years. Now, there's certain medications that are estrogen-like. You know, we're going to put that in quotations. And these are called selective estrogen receptor modulators, or CIRMs for short. And these medications, um, one of them is called Evista, um, and that's reloxifen, and then there's tamoxifen. So you guys are probably familiar with these because these are medications that we use for breast cancer patients to try to stop the effect of estrogen on the breast. So they do provide protection against postmenopausal bone loss. And the nice thing is, is that they do decrease the risk of breast cancer in women who are at, um, high risk. Um, CERMS are definitely not recommended for premenopausal women because they'll start to have all of the effects of menopause and nobody wants that. Hormone therapy is one of my favorites you know, obviously, if you are, you have to be a good candidate. You can't just take hormone therapy if you have a history of breast cancer or a blood clot disorder um, making you more susceptible, but definitely replacing your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone has been found to increase your bone density and also just in general increase your quality of life. So that is something that you can talk to your doctor about to see if you're a good candidate for that. There's another medication called uh, Denusumab um, or Prolia. Um, And this is an antibody directed against a specific protein involved in the formation of cells that break down bone. So Prolia improves bone mineral density and reduces fracture in postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. Prolia is an injection that's given under the skin, and you do this once every six months. So a lot of patients love this option because they only have to do it um, twice a year. Um some of the side effects with Prolia can include you know just a local infection on the skin um and then sometimes it can cause a transient lowering of blood calcium levels but typically this is not a problem in patients who have good kidney function and who are taking enough calcium and vitamin D Now the Prolia is usually reserved for people who cannot tolerate oral or intravenous Therapy, And you have to be very careful because if you stop Prolia, the bone loss can resume and you can go back to where you were in a relatively short period of time. So it doesn't have like the prolonged side effect that you do with Fosamax where you can stop it and the effects of the the medication are still in your system. There is definitely an increased risk for a vertebral fracture. Um, uh, usually immediately after stopping the Prolia, so not something that we would recommend in someone who just wants to take this uh, uh, short term. Other medications like parathyroid hormone and calcitonin have also been used, but they're not as common as the other medications that I just discussed. Anyway, that is the basics, you guys, on osteoporosis. I hope that made it easy. So quick things to remember, healthy diet, healthy exercise, get plenty of calcium in your diet, plenty of vitamin D. The exercise you want to use resistance training. So it's not enough just to go out for a walk or a run. You definitely have to challenge your body, build your muscles so you get stronger. Um, and then avoiding falls. So remember, you know, making sure you get rid of things that like will make you fall, like loose carpet, loose, you know, cords in the house, making sure that your vision is good so you can see and you've got appropriate lighting. Medications, first line treatments are your biphosphonates. Uh, second line treatment would be, you know, your IV or your subcutaneous injections. And then also estrogen like, uh, medications, but you don't want to use those estrogen like medications in patients that are premenopausal because although they have a beneficial effect in the bone, they do not have a beneficial effect in all other aspects. They will make you feel like you're going into menopause. I hope you enjoyed this episode and please make sure that you subscribe, comment send me any questions at thevegenius.com, or you can also subscribe to my Instagram account and send me a direct message. I'd be happy to answer any questions, and as always, I will keep your name anonymous, but this is your one opportunity to get free medical advice. I hope you guys are all doing well, and it's been great speaking with you today.